listening to another L&D podcast, hosted by myself, Orash Maznane, and Paul Richardson. So, yeah, so this episode, we are talking about creativity again. So it's a follow-on from the last episode that we started talking about creativity and some of the barriers around creativity and what creativity means to us and and how you start to foster creativity uh, in an organization and I think this session this episode rather we're going to talk about I suppose techniques maybe in terms of being more creative um so yeah um Paul, I don't know if you want to... Yeah, absolutely. I think last time um, we were talking about barriers and, 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 I mean, I think we came to the conclusion that the barriers to to real creativity within organisations are are quite quite big and and expansive. But ultimately, the, the, the best stuff, the, you know, moving things forward in any way comes from creative thinking and from and from ideas and testing ideas out and we talked a little bit I think last time about failure and uh, the role of failure and how important it is as, as a as a byproduct of uh, creativity if you like um, I think for me what I, I did explain in the last episode that this all started with an ask around creativity from a person who's particularly um, interested in uh, Edward de Bono's Six Hats um, approach to problem solving, which isn't a, a, a creativity tool in itself, but it does contain within it some aspects of, uh, of, of, of creativity. And it requires, I think, the green hat in particular um, is, is one which requires people to think creatively. And what struck me was uh, a couple of things uh, sort of came out of the time when uh, uh, De Bono was particularly creative himself. Um, the whole idea of lateral thinking um, is is one aspect of creativity that, that, that interests me. And the other one is a thing that he, he called pose. I've never heard of pose before. Uh, provocation operations. Um, but he, he, uses the, he uses the word pose to describe the, uh, after that. And that's the idea of coming up with something completely out of left field to provoke creativity. So, um, and to give you uh, an example of that, um, he asked a group of school children to uh, come up with ways that they would measure a tower, um, a really high, tall tower that they could uh, that they could see. And um, they, so these were primary school age children, young, young children, not uh, teenagers or anything. And he asked them what they would do. And they came up with lots of ideas like getting a, a, a piece of string with a weight on the end and climbing it to the top and lowering it down and, uh, and, and lots of, of other ideas. And one kid almost uh, sort of dismissively said, well, best thing we could do is, is lie the tower down on its side and then we could just get a tape measure uh, you remember the, the, the milk tape measures you used to have when, when, when you were at primary school, the really long measures, mm. or perhaps perhaps one of those rotating wheels that clicks um, yeah. and just walk along the side of it and measure it. And so 
for him, a provocation operation would be to say, right, that's the way we're going to do it. So we need to think about how we can do that. And obviously it's counterintuitive because you, you can't literally take the tower uh, and, and, and lay it on its side. But they discussed it and eventually came up with the idea of uh, marking an, a, a, a stake in the ground, a distance that they had, could measure easily away from the base of the, uh, of the tower and then photographing the tower and then metaphorically laying it on its side in photograph form, measuring the distance that they knew was, let's say, 20 metres from the base of the tower, and then taking that distance and seeing how many the photograph of the tower of that distance they could fit into the tower and getting a, a really good approximation to the height of the tower from that. And he used that as a as a uh, as an example of how by using a provocation effectively you could come up with a real solution mm-hmm. to the problem. And as as it goes, it did strike me that that is uh, a way a principle that's used in astronomy for working out distances for objects that are obviously further away than you could ever normally measure. So that the principle of that anyway is, and I think I, I like the idea of, 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 of provoking people with what seem like outlandish ideas. I think there's, there's a sort, there's a certain type of creativity, which lives in that place, thinking the unthinkable mm-hmm. and almost thinking the almost comedic sometimes. Yeah. Uh, to come up with ideas, so that that's that was my that that's where I came in really into this creativity thing through uh, Edward de Bono lateral thinking and uh, and of course the, uh, uh, the the pose. Yeah, I think there's uh, some similarities uh, based on what you said just at the end there, and and some of the things that I've come across and used and and in terms of coming up with creative ideas so in the first episode which if you haven't listened to already it's uh, recommended you go back and, and listen to that yeah first. let's do it now <laughs> um, so in the first episode I mentioned Steve Chapman and I also mentioned that I attended a workshop I say attended he came to us so he somebody who was aware of him within our L&D function at our last organization brought him in to host a workshop with some of the the people in L&D and just for the the very idea of in terms of just helping us boost our creativity if if you will and mm-hmm. one of the things that stood out to me was and it was such a simple thing and it's it's probably something that a lot of people um are already aware of or are doing in in some capacity already at least and that was it was is a we'd been given i think a task i can't remember if it was really if it was just a a task that he'd a fabricated task that he'd given us or if it was based on a real problem that we were working with at the time but the idea was for us to use the the, the idea the notion of of um yes and which is a concept that comes from improv and I mentioned that he has uh, a background in improv so the idea of, of of improv is that you don't want to say no because if you're in a scene if you reject or say no to something in essence what you're doing is killing that scene so there's a concept um, 
yes and where if somebody says something um in a scene you would then say yes and and kind of build on that that concept um and that allows the scene to progress and naturally develop and, and go off yeah. in different directions whereas if you kind of just go reject that offer or or kind of say no to it it's difficult then to 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 to, to direct the scene in 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 another, another direction it kind of kills the energy of it but that was in there so the idea is that yeah. you take this problem and and initially you just say yes and so somebody might throw out an idea and you'd say you'd build on it so you'd be like yes and and kind of add to that idea and someone else go yes and and add add to that idea and you just keep doing that for a certain amount of time and then you see what you end up with and quite often what you end up with is is something quite absurd and wild and crazy and maybe even physically and technologically impossible but mm. what you can then do is start to unpick unpick it and unpack it and 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 kind of move backwards and see well actually what what can we do and the idea is that you're not dismissing anybody's idea and it goes back to his thinking of people really being people often being afraid to share their ideas and, and thoughts because they don't want to be perceived as mad bad or wrong and this activity allows people to to kind of bypass that because no one's going to be like no that idea is rubbish or no that won't work so it allows you to just keep going and going and going and i think we had a time limit and after that time limit we then looked at it and started to unpack it and said well actually yeah that would be absurd because physically it's not actually possible um but let's kind of let's start unpacking it and unpicking it and and scaling it back and seeing well actually we can't do this because we don't have because that would cost loads of money and and and, and what have you or, or the just technology doesn't exist but what could we do that's similar with the technology that we already have access to or or what could we do that's that's similar that actually um we could afford to invest in so it means that you're actually getting something out of those ideas rather than just them just being dismissed and actually you're getting those ideas out in the first instance where a lot of people would never have bothered because they were too um, too afraid to to actually speak up. I love share. that idea. I, I absolutely get that, and I, I, I love that idea. So improvisation is, is is sort of the purest form, isn't it? Because it's literally anything. So there's nothing you, you can say and introduce anything. So you could say, and then a man walked in with an elephant under his arm. Yeah, and yeah. I could say yes, but. It was into this room, and, and, and I get what you mean. Eventually, someone unpicks that, and you know the, the elephant's not a literal elephant, blah blah blah. But if you take real world situation, not improv situation, take actual problem solving or being or, or, or a, a, an exercise in creativity, there'll be a little bit more to work at because it, it, those ideas will will not be in the purest form, completely random. They will be they, they will be related to the subject, but you still using that approach, you're still going to get a wider range of ideas to work on. It's, 
it's uh, it, 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 it's that is really powerful. From yeah, that absolutely. Point of view. I love it. Yeah, and I think um, I think that's the great thing about imp- improv. It, it it teaches you to to either remove or get over that filter that you naturally have before you open your mouth and and put something out into the world. So everybody's always has that filter where before they say something they yeah. are often kind of like do that sense check and i guess it's it's what steve talks about where he's saying uh in terms of ideas people throughout the growing up will have experienced instances where they've been kind of told that that something was bad or something was wrong or, yeah. or they or that was crazy so over time obviously that goes into your your mind and and builds that that filter but mm. i think the act of of performing improv means that you, you you sort of you've got a balance where in one hand you've got that filter which is your your is trying to stop you putting something out into the world saying something but on the other hand you've got that pressure where it's your turn to say something and either the rest of the group that you're, you're, you're kind of performing with are all focused on you or an audience is focused on you and you just have, you just have to go with whatever comes out. You're, it's almost like that, that just diving into some, some water, some deep uh, or, or cold water. So, and I think what that does is it, it just forces you to, to just go out to, to almost remove that filter and, 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 and just put things out into the world um which is why i think that activity is so good because it kind of does that but in a in a sort of safe environment where people don't have to feel that uh, that pressure of 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 people like waiting for them to to say something because it because it's a in, in the in the sort of live improv situation it's a tool it's a it's a theatrical tool to buy yourself some time but actually, you're not buying yourself some time. You're buying everybody involved in the improv some time to get to a place where somebody can then start to, as you described it, unpick. But the, I love the key to it for me that shines out is that you don't destroy any of the creativity mm-hmm. in doing that. You keep everything that remains on the table until the point where you can deal with everything that's on the table. And I think with a lot of creativity, you know, relating this to real conversations where people are coming up with ideas, each subsequent idea seems to have to rendered all the other ideas obsolete yeah. or, or, or not usable. And so people are actually having ideas in a destructive sense, um, almost in response to the other. Whereas with this, what you're doing is you're, you're, you're adding ideas without destroying the, the things that have already come out. So to use my analogy, you can, you can get to somewhere else, but the elephant's still in the room under the bloke's arm. And, and it's, it, it, you know, we'll get back to that. We've not lost that from this story and it may ultimately play a crucial role absurd as it was at the time um i, I, I think that you know that is a, a a really really powerful um a really powerful tool i think i think one of the things that that's emerging in my mind is the fact that we often end up trying to think creatively too late in the process mm-hmm. so you know if sometimes if the creative thinking process had started at the beginning of a project um, or a piece of work, 
often we start to so uh, I mentioned last time about um, um, Brian Eno um, and one of his uh, collaborators came up with those cards the oblique strategies um, cards which they used when they were struggling with ideas in a recording studio producing music and they'd use them with you know a lot of their uh, David uh, Bowie and uh, U2 and people like that but what's interesting about that, and the, the cards are a really good idea, and, the, and they, they do get you to think differently, but they tend to be there to, to solve a problem of creativity um, rather than to get people to think creatively in the first place, mm-hmm. if that, that makes sense. And I think that certainly the work environment, this is often sort of to to deal with the whatever's analogous to writer's block in, yeah. the, uh, in the workplace, as opposed to, right, we've got this, this is what we, we've been tasked with doing. Let's start off and think we're really creative. Do you, do, do you get what I mean? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and I think um, I think there's, there's also, just in terms of with working, if you're working on a project as well, I think sometimes it's as much as we talked about in the first episode, uh, I know we were talking about, uh, again, Steve Chapman's critique of planning. Mm. I think sometimes what doesn't help is, or what is required is good planning and good managing of stakeholders. And what I mean by that is that you can often find yourself on a project where things aren't quite clear like you don't have all the pieces so you can't start to try and solve the problem because you're still working through things or the stakeholders themselves are still are still still aren't sure of what the right thing to do is or or what have you and what can then happen is that by the time it gets to actually everything becomes clear you have little time left in order to actually come up with a solution and i've been in in situations like that particularly in the last sort of organization where things had fixed deadlines it wasn't just a case of well actually you guys have taken a month to to get all the stuff that i need and really i've been involved in this project way too early but the deadline is the deadline because a bit like maybe a change is happening to the system or a a letter or is going out or a there's a regulation that's coming in and you can't go to the external body and and be like "Mm, sorry we can't change that and what that does is then it limits that 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 time for creativity so it's either very short or there's not if any time at all um so i think so i think there's definitely that in i suppose a real world setting which is something to consider but again that comes down to more about planning and i suppose management of of um of projects and and what have you absolutely and we've talked about this before i can remember i can't remember if it's on one of our episodes or whether this was just in a conversation we were having on a 
a lunchtime, but we, we, you, you know, you stakeholders are often. I'm not, I'm, I, I, I use the word dishonest. I'm not. I don't think they are consciously dishonest, but they've often got much more of an idea of what they want the final outcome to be before the start and give it over to, to you, the in inverted commas creative person. But you don't know. They're not clear about that, mm. and. You know, I could forgive them. I could forgive them that if I knew that there was a culture of creativity and that they'd already spent some creative capital, if you like, mm -hmm. on the idea and 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 and, and discussed that with you. I think the part of the problem. It's it's interesting that this comes back to stakeholder management because I think I think that is part, what that's one of the things that sort of gets in the way of um, creativity taking place at the front end of a. Of a uh, of a project and that you know you've, you've correctly identified that's where where the problem um, uh, often lies in trying to come up with creative solutions and get new ideas it almost um, has is... to sorry yeah go on I was no. going to say it almost has to be built into your ways of working so it has to be yeah. something that that everybody commits to whether that just be in in your function so let's say as l and d we're going to go right we're really going to commit to this and that's fraught that's everybody that's not just the delivery guys or the design guys who are kind of at the bottom who actually when when it gets tough we're like now nah, you haven't got time for that you just need to churn out this e-learning because we've got a deadline so it needs to it needs to come down from the top and everyone commit to it so it is built into the way that 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 function operates so, so so it doesn't matter what anything what anybody else is is doing that time is always there and protected in order to allow um allow allow you to kind of um to do that and and having said that i suppose an activity that that activity that i described at the beginning that's something that can can be done with not much investment in time. I suppose the activity we actually did in the workshop was about 30 minutes, um, but it is nice to be able to to sleep on things <coughs> and and go back and reflect on them. And it, that kind what, of... Go on, sorry. No, was the activity... What, 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 the activity that you did in the workshop, was it a real, a, a, a real problem... Uh, or a real issue within the, within the organization or was it uh, something was it a, sort of a, uh, one from outside uh, a general one I if I'm being honest I really can't remember um it was it's it's pretty hazy the act, right. um, that workshop um, well, I remember one of, I remember one of my colleagues is, is, uh, I was discussing with one of my colleagues about what to do in the creativity workshop what I'm, I'm working on. And um, I suggested um, I wanted to have two activities. I wanted to have a, an initial activity which uh, everyone in the in the session has a crack at the same at, at the same problem, if you like, mm -hmm. so we could see the range of things that people came up with and judge creativity to some extent on the basis of that, and also how useful it is to have more than one person thinking about a, uh, an issue. And then, and then at the end of the session, or towards the end of the session, the second activity where it was real problems that they brought along that they wanted to think creatively about. Um, 
And of that initial problem, I was going to make it a problem that I knew exists within our organisation. And I was, you know, somebody said, the problem with that is that people will, will that, the, that, that in itself, because you're asking them to think of it within the context of where you already work, constrains the creativity. People will bring all sorts of limiting ideas to that. You're better off with that first, certainly with that first activity, making it something from outside their normal experience. Yeah. Um, in order to, to, to get them to feel creativity in its real sense, uh, unbounded creativity, if you like, um, and what it's like to let the, to get the creative juices running. So they can take at least some of that to something which has got more limiting, you know, realistic limiting factors, which is the, the actual problem that they may, may have to face. And I, yeah, yeah, I think um, I think that that choice uh, when when you're trying to encourage people to be creative is really important. Yeah, I mean, in that particular instance, you could always do both. So you could introduce a concept, um, and that's the great thing about that yes and um, mm. idea is that it's difficult to be limited by that because mm. there's no there's nobody there to put that barrier and go well actually we wouldn't do it like that do you know what i mean because that's not allowed so so that's that's a really good um that is a really good one and in the workshop what i do remember from from it was that uh, there was a large period of time that we spent actually doing improv exercises because at the time i'd done improv um at sort of a, maybe kind of five years earlier at um, at the uni and a lot of the exercises were familiar so yeah. it was quite nice but it, it was doing actual improv games um, for, for a chunk of it and that was in preparation to get your mind in the right place to, yeah. to, to kind of be in the moment and not be thinking about all this other stuff like as you said to to stop thinking about limitations to stop putting barriers because you can't do that while you're actually doing a lot of these games you have to run with it so it it, it kind of so would there be things like uh starting a story off and continuing the story yeah of activity yeah yeah there's, there's there's little things like that and i mean I think there's a website there. There are websites that are on there where you can Google and I can find one and put it in the uh, the podcast notes. That gives mm-hmm. you a list of warm up games, um, improv warm up games. Uh, mm-hmm. One that I can I can quickly remember just off the top of my head is a really simple one. is is a question game where you have two lines facing each other, like a, in single file. Um, obviously the person at the front, um, the two people at the front start and they take, they take it in turns. They have to go back and forth, but only asking questions. So if someone stutters or pauses or says a statement, then they have to go to the back. And it's, again, it's, it's one of those things where it it's a little activity that you can do to, to just start getting the juices flowing, I suppose, and start getting you in yeah. that, that, that kind of right frame of mind but so 
I think it's. I just think it's interesting that we've both that where we've come with this conversation. I mean, these conversations that we have, we we, we limit ourselves a little bit with the subject, but I think we're quite um, happy for it to be. It's almost a little bit like improv to some extent, in as much as we don't know what what we're going to say and we don't know where it's going to go. It often goes where we don't expect. And it's interesting that you've we've both used the word creative juices to try and talk about that almost like that mindset you need to have yeah. in order to be um, creative. And it's interesting that you have to you have to let go of something, don't you? You have you, you really do. You have to it's a very special sort of feeling that you get into where um, and, and, and I can almost just talking about it now, there's all I, I know that when I'm in that space, I'm almost like giggly. Um I, I, I find it I'm amused when I'm in that uh, sort of truly creative space. Yeah. Um, um, it's a very happy place to be, interestingly. And there's a couple of things that I, I just wanted to kind of touch on as well, just based mm. around around this. So w- one of them was, and again, this is a book that I mentioned in a previous podcast, and I know I've mentioned um, to you as well a couple of times, and that was the, um, I can't even remember the name of the book now, um, a technique for producing ideas, I think is yeah. the, the title. Um, yeah. And in that, he he describes a really short book, 15-minute read. It's like a four-step process. And he kind of goes through um, essentially what the title says, a technique for coming up with ideas. And it's it's kind of, he sort of like whittles it down and, and, and says that an idea is essentially nothing more than a combination of old elements. And... He kind of talks about this process where you should have a combination of, well, you should kind of almost look outside, take inspiration from various elements just around you in, they can come from anywhere, um, and then essentially take those elements and combine them with the specific element, i.e. the problem that you're trying to solve, and spend time sort of chewing them over and then once you've done that kind of drop the idea just forget about it and go off and do something else and he talks about at that point what tends to happen is the real idea comes to you while you're while you're in while your subconscious your subconscious carries on on working but your conscious mind is focused on something else and that's when the idea tends to come to you and then he talks about a process of of letting others judge the idea like kind of critique it and and stuff and then going back to it but again that's a really good um book to read that gives you again another technique for for coming up with ideas Mm -hmm. um the other thing that i wanted to touch on as well which is something that I'd kind of experienced in the past, which was a massive frustration of, of mine. And that was how, or I suppose a topic that I want to kind of just touch on is, is, and this is something that is applicable to anything, but the idea of actually taking action on the back of coming up with these ideas and these creative thinking sessions, because I can count so many times where I have been in, team workshops, team meetings, function, big L&D function get-togethers, 
and there has been elements where we are coming up with ideas, uh, working through maybe how we can be more effective, how we can can be more customer focused, i.e. our our learners, if you want to call them that, um, how we can, all these different things, how we can um, create more engaging content and all this stuff generates ideas and we spend that time and that mental effort coming up with things and it often gets written on a flip chart or written down somewhere and that's it someone takes a picture of it and nobody does anything with it and i remember in my last organization before i actually left and again you could argue that was maybe a reason that was one of the things that i said in our team goal at the beginning of the year i was i I kind of brought it up and said i'm sick of us having these sessions where where we come up with some really good stuff and then it gets back you go you kind of come out of that bubble of the nice yeah let's do this this is what we should be doing and as soon as you get back into the daily grind everyone just forgets about it and nothing ever happens of it and i think that's one of the big things about it. it's all well and good having created ideas come spending time being creative but um many people have great intentions but rarely does that actually result in in any actions being taken? Um, and I think that is a key thing is that, yes, do this, but also commit to actually actioning on these ideas at the end of it, because otherwise you're just wasting time in essence. Is there, a, is there an argument for making sure so you you you, you describe that process, which I'm obviously familiar with, of, 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 uh, of them ending up on flip chart and then ending up uh, photographed and nothing else happens. Is there a, a, an argument for for that all to be within an organisation for that all to be stored somewhere to be? I don't know. Maybe it'll just disappear anyway. Maybe nobody will ever access it again. Um, I, I I just think there's a lot of ideas that didn't necessarily come to fruition for all sorts of reasons. Uh, that are lost until somebody has them again because mm. they don't get stored. <laughs> um, and we've already touched on the fact that, you know, in the world of creativity and ideas, a lot, the vast majority don't work yeah. um, for all sorts of reasons. But that doesn't mean that they're not worthy and useful in, in to your organisation or to yourself in the long run. Does, you know what I mean? So would you are you saying then that the act of kind of going through that creative thinking and process, even if nothing happens at the end of it, is is potentially still beneficial. Oh, I'm convinced. I don't. I don't just think it. I think. I think I'm really certain that that is beneficial, and I'm certain that that I personally, I think, have probably had loads of ideas um, in my life that may well. That may well have had have been useful things to, to 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 deploy at other times that have that have got lost, if you like. Mm. Um, I know in the world of music, um, obviously I've got a bit of a connection to that world, and as have you. And I know that when that often what happens with songwriting, for instance, is that people will have ideas um, 
that for one piece of music and it'll they'll, they'll, it'll not work and they'll abandon it and go on and do something else and then later sort of think oh what about that idea and, and bring it back yeah uh, and it turns out to be the, the missing piece of the jigsaw for another um, piece of music do you know what I mean yeah I think a lot sense. of stuff within an organisation gets lost so it's not just that people don't act on it straight away but that then the worst crime almost is it just gets lost completely. Mm. Um, I don't know whether I'm talking about de- developing another sort of curatable resource here or, or what I'm talking about, but I just think it's a shame. I feel it's a shame that so much of that gets lost. It's almost like you have should have like an idea pot or an idea jar where those things mm. just sit and maybe if you need... I, I guess it's, it's almost... It describes a little bit those cards that you were almost talking about mm, where mm. you have a pot of ideas and if you're lacking inspiration, you put your hand into the pot, pull out an idea that previously has come from it a is. session and maybe that is an idea you run with or that is an idea that you then start to build upon and, and, and can use mm. in some way and or, mm. or just sparks a completely different idea from that mm-hmm. idea. Um, one thing that I do think is is really key in all of this is, and I, I think there's been a bit of an assumption really here, at least on my part, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we've talked about a lot of these techniques and I uh, and, and and just general creative uh, spaces and or spaces to come up with creative ideas. And one thing I think that's really key to, to call out is that this often takes place in a group setting or with other people. And, I th- mm. and, and what I mean by that is that I know that some of the best work that I've produced has always had other people's input. So, And this is something that I know that previous managers kind of said and looked across the team and said whenever I look at the best work that we've kind of produced, it's always been something that multiple people have had their fingers in. So it may be a case that I've come up with an idea and I've called a few of my colleagues or maybe invited them to a call and said, I've got this idea. Like I'm not really like, I'm, I like it, but I just don't know and share it with them. And they will then build on that. And again, it comes back a little bit to the, like the yes and, but, it just means that people can see things often from a different angle or just add new things that you would never have come up with. And I know I've, I've, there's been instances where I've had an idea and I've been like, it's, it feels like it's almost there. It's not quite there. Like I'm, mm. I've, I've got something, but it's just there's something that's not quite right. And I've called somebody, a colleague, and spoken to them about it and they've gone oh yeah that's really good i like that what about this and then that's mm. kind of been that missing part of a puzzle mm. so i also mm. i also think and encourage people when they are doing any sort of creative thinking is to is to share it is to kind of put it out there with with other people and 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 let let people collaborate with you on it i love that i think i think that's that's a really good. You sort of, we, we sort of bringing it to a close, really, with mm. that. I think that is right. I think 
it's it's very important to recognise the. I, I love collegiate approaches, and I love um, uh, sharing. And you're right about that. That sort of it, 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 I think some people are very lucky in that they can in that they they, they can get great ideas that will come to them whole. Um, I think the vast majority of us do require that uh, collaboration and collegiate feeling um, and input in order to get something that's workable anyway. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's uh, a, a, a crucial aspect of the creative process, certainly for me anyway. Yeah, absolutely. You can find me at Orash Mazanane on Twitter and Orash Razai Mazanane on LinkedIn. And you can find me on LinkedIn by searching Paul Richardson. Thanks for listening.